Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Well, we get a chance now to dive into the word with our speaker, and I get a privilege of introducing him, hailing all the way from North Carolina. He's been with us before, and I've heard that if you ask nicely, he'll sing you a Disney song. (laughs) He did last year, at least. I don't know if he'll do it this year or not. We'll find out. So let's give a round of applause for Joel Stamper. Hello, friends. It's good to be with you all this evening. Uh, Before I get started, there's a couple things that we need to get out of the way. I have four kids of my own. They are not here with me this weekend. I have left them back in North Carolina. Um, This is my third time being up here. I was at Winter Meltdown last year. Were any of you here when I was here last year? Excellent. Maybe we will do a duet later, all of us. Um, Now I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. So some of you were here last year. Um, I am from a town, a little podunk town in North Carolina. There's like 1,100 people in the entire town, 11,000 in the county. It's a big county. I mean, we're just out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, My kids were not able to come with me. My wife were not able to come with me. It's like a seven-hour drive for us to get up here. Any of you that have little brothers or sisters when you're in the car for more than like 30 minutes, it's a nightmare, isn't it? Right, okay. So I have a picture of my kids to show you guys so you can see how precious they are. Aren't they? Oh, that's the reaction I was hoping for. They're precious. Um, That's Eli there on the right. He's my 11-year-old. Judah there on the left. He's eight. Micaiah there next to Eli. You can tell by the expression on his face. He is what we like to call a stink pot. All right? He is most of the time shirtless And if he could live on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, he would, and he really pretty much does. And then that is Hazel, my little precious. Yes, I know. That's why I have a pink water bottle up here, because she likes pink, and she wanted me to have a pink water bottle, so I do, okay? Uh, That is my family. I adore them. Um, It's hard for me to leave them, but this is a great occasion. This is a great reason for me to be away from my family to be up here and to be with you guys this weekend for Winter Meltdown. But one of the things I learned early on in parenthood is that positive reinforcement goes a long way, okay? So here's what I have devised to help you all pay attention during this time of our weekend, okay? I have in my pocketses here... uh, Now here's the thing, I've already heard the word AirPod mentioned, all right? I have a guy, okay? As they, well, yeah, you're gonna have an opportunity, okay? I have a guy. These are not AirPods, but let's just say nobody's gonna know except for me and the 240 of you that are here, but nobody else is gonna know, okay? So, I've got a pair of myself, they're awesome. You have an opportunity to win these. I love movies, I love to reference movies. One thing I hate is when I am in a conversation and a movie reference you know, opportunity presents itself and I, I throw out a line from a movie and, and, and nobody gets it, you know? Um, and so in, in every one of my talks that I'm gonna share with you all, actually the first three, we're not gonna do this Sunday morning. Um, the first three talks that I give, I have built in movie references, 
okay? If you catch the movie reference after we're done, okay? After you're dismissed, before you go to your next activity, we have little sheets of paper and pens up here in a basket. Write your name, legibly, boys, and write the name of the movie that you believe I have referenced, okay? I will go through after each session. I will call the ones that are incorrect. I will keep the ones that are correct. And on Sunday morning, of the ones that were correct over the course of our time, I will draw a winner, and you will get these rip-off AirPods, okay? Good deal? All right. Um, as Aaron said, my name is Joel. My camp name is Cornbread. Can any of you guess why people would call me Cornbread? Some of you know. Why? If cornbread could talk, that's what you would If cornbread could talk, I would sound like what it would sound like, okay? I am from the South, and I never thought that until I listened to a recording of myself, and I'm like, who is this person, you know? It's, anyway, um, enough about me. We are on a journey this weekend, okay? And our journey, how does that thing work? Do I just step on it and pull? Excellent. Look at that. <laughs> We're on a journey this weekend. You guys have already heard the theme of this journey. It is come alive. All right, you guys are going to hear me referencing that. I want to hear, you know, that you guys are in, that you guys are focused. Let me say one more thing before I jump in. I will give you a hint because I have to remember that a lot of you guys are like a lot younger than me. I'm going to give you a hint to the movie reference before each time. The movie reference for this evening, um, it is from a movie that is debatably a Christmas movie, but it's not Die Hard, okay? I'm not going to like, <laughs> come on, there's kids in here. Um, but it is a movie that my family watches at Christmas, okay? That's all I'm going to say. All right, to start our journey this weekend, we have to go to the beginning, okay? We have to go to the beginning and we have to lay a foundation. Have any of you um, you, your family's ever been part of like building a house and you, you have watched that prop. Okay, one person here has seen their family build a house. Okay, a couple of you have. Um, what's the first thing that goes down on the house? Foundation. foundation. Man, you guys are brilliant. Um, a foundation has to be laid for the house to be built upon, right? You see that in the scriptures. There's a, there's a parable that's given about um, two builders, and, and one builds a foundation on the sand, and the other one builds a foundation on a rock. And uh, did any of you ever build sand castles? Like, how do you build a foundation in the sand? You know, the wave comes up and it's gone, right? The first thing that we have to do this evening to prepare for the rest of this weekend is to lay a foundation. And to lay a foundation, we have to go to the beginning, and to go to the beginning, we need to go to the book of Genesis, Okay. So as we go through here, I'm going to have stuff on the screen for you. If you have a Bible, you're more than welcome to, to turn and to follow along with these things in your own Bibles, okay? So we're going we're gonna to go to the beginning because we, we have to understand how all things came into being because there's, there's foundational truths in the Bible that we have to understand. And, and we don't, if we don't start out by establishing what those foundational truths are, um, then we can't build anything solid on top. You know, my son, Eli, the 11-year-old, uh, there on the right, if you were to look in the woods behind my house, it looks like a refugee camp. Any scrap lumber he finds, he takes it, he attaches it to a tree. I should have brought a picture. Maybe I'll have my wife send me one tomorrow, and you guys can be like, dude, who is living in your woods? Um, it's Eli. 
But, you know, even he at the age that he's at of 11 understands the, the necessity of a foundation. So uh, tonight what we're going to be doing is what I like to call donkey work. All right. We're building the foundation um, so that we can build upon that as we go through this week. Okay. Um, and I know that as we come to look at Scripture, there's going to be a couple different camps among you. And I can already, you know, pin some of you just by watching you in worship. Some of you up here, you're like a Sunday school scholar, graduate, you know. I'm watching you up here worship, and you love Jesus, and I can tell that you love Jesus. All right? Some of you are here because of a boy or a girl, perhaps, or because a friend invited you. I watched you guys come in. I see how you're, like, looking at each other and checking each other out. And Listen, it's been a while, but I was once in your shoes, okay? So I, I know how that goes. So some of you are here, and you've hung around the church, and maybe you visited your youth group, and you... Maybe you believe some of the things that you're hearing, but you're not ready to like hang your very life on those truths that are being presented to you. And then there's others of you who you're here and this is completely new to you. You hear the name of Jesus that we're singing about and you're like, I don't know who that is, but eh, these people are weird. Um, we're all over the place where we come from, okay? But listen, whichever one of those camps you're in, you're a Sunday school master's degree, doctorate, whatever, um, guess what? God has a plan for you being here this weekend. You've been hanging around church, but you, you, can't, you don't know if you can hang your life on these things. God has a plan for you being here this weekend. You came here because someone drug you here. Someone bribed you to come here because your parents said, hey, I've paid the deposit. You're going. God has a plan for you being here this weekend, okay? Now, our theme for this weekend, again, is to come alive. Now, if I, if I say something that needs to come alive, uh, then you're going to guess that it's, it's, it's not alive, right? Uh, you might even go so far as to say that it, it's dead, all right? Is that a logical idea? All right, just making sure you guys are with me. Uh, if I'm standing over top of something, I'm looking at it, and it's obvious that it's there in existence, and it's obvious that it has everything necessary to have life, and yet it's, it's not alive, then, um, you know, I could even say that it exists, but it doesn't have life, and so it's not alive. Let's go to Genesis. I've talked about Go into the beginning. Let's let's go there. And to before we before we look at this verse, Genesis one. This is one of the first verses that my kids, as they are growing up, that we had them um, memorize. And so I want you guys to prepare yourselves to be floored by the preciousness of my little princess Hazel as she reads. Actually, she will not read. She she can't read. She's three. Uh, as she recites to you guys, uh, Genesis chapter one, verse one. Did you guys get that? In the beginning, God decreated the heavens and the earth. Thank you, Hazel. She is my little precious princess. Let's look at that. Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 and verse 2. You can follow along on the screen. You can follow along in your Bibles. I'm reading out of the New American Standard, okay? If anybody says, hey, what you're saying doesn't match what I have, that's why. 
Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Now, let me just go ahead and say something, y'all. This is the earth like a blank canvas. Do any of you have trouble imagining the earth like a blank canvas? I do. I can't fathom it. There's a lot of things in Scripture that when I try and think too much about it, it's like my head wants to explode. But, but that's what Scripture tells us. And if you, you continue reading there in Genesis chapter 1, then you see this breakdown of six days where God is literally speaking things into existence. He says, let there be light. Boom, and there's light. That's how it goes. For six days, he speaks these things into existence, and they happen. And on the sixth day, we read that he created man. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, you're going to skip forward a chapter. <coughs> Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says, The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So God, in the beginning, he's creating all of these things, and, and every time he does, the refrain in Scripture is that it was... Good. Very. You guys. You guys are great. Um, he creates man. He fashions him into existence. And then we read, so there's, there's, there's Adam. He's been formed. He's been fashioned. And, and, and once that happens, so he's in existence, but he's not alive. And God breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, some of you right now, okay, I'm not going to Speculate. I'm not going to cast judgment, but some of you are sitting there in your seats right now and you're thinking to yourself, hold up, I don't believe that. All right, don't throw up your hands. Some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, I don't believe that. I believe science. All right? I made very poor grades in science all throughout school, so that's not something that I'm going to, that's not a hill that I'm going to fight with you on. But, but here's what some of you think. You think, I don't believe that. Uh, it takes a lot of faith to believe that. Church people are kind of weird that they, that they believe that. Um, here's the alternative. <laughs> you believe that, that somehow nothing created something, and that something somehow nurtured something else to the point that it became alive and then somehow yielded all the life that we see around us. When you guys finally get to the point where you have kids and you see how helpless babies are, like even if the, the cosmos like puked up some babies, if there's no one there to nurture them, like it can't, it's not gonna, it doesn't work. If you were to just, do we have any nurses in the house? Anybody that's, okay, we have one. You're being, you're being outed by your, your people. Um, or anybody that's taken a class in anatomy. Oh, you guys take that in high school? I live in Podunk, North Carolina. We didn't have that class, okay? Um, how many major systems are there in the body? It's like 11 or 12. And then each of those systems has like subsystems. So if you were to study one of those systems, like the nervous system, um, and just see how intricate that is and how it works together and how, you know, if all of these things are not exactly where they need to be and, and, and working, that's another thing. As you get old and your, your body starts, things break, and it doesn't work the way that it did when you were your age, you're like, this is the worst, you know? But you don't realize until something's broken 
how important it was. So study the human body, study earth and our relationship to the sun and to the universe. And, and you know, if we were a fraction closer to the sun, if we were a fraction further away from the sun, like did the earth wouldn't be habitable. All of these things work together in a way that, you know, I struggle to think anything but the creation account. Um, Aubrey, can you put up that second picture I had in? All right, that's my backyard. All right, that's a, a beautiful maple tree in my backyard, and that is my view. Friends, I've never once, I've lived in that house off and on for 34 years. Never once at any age did I stand under that maple tree and look out at all of that and ask myself, I wonder how many billions of years it took for this to happen. Because I look at that and I see something that's beautiful and I see something that is, is there's purpose to it and I see something that, that's been designed. What does design point to? A designer or a, a creation points to a creator. Any of you play video games? Okay, well, okay, a lot of you. I don't play video games. And here's why, because I can't handle it. All right, you'll learn something about addiction as you go on in life. My wife, one day when I was a youth pastor in Idaho, and before we had kids, you know, I had days off. I don't have those anymore as a pastor. But she left one morning at like 7.30 in the morning, and I'm playing, I was like, uh, like a Nintendo Cube or something. This has been a while ago. And, uh, and she came back at 5.30 that evening, and I'm like, hey, is it lunchtime already? You know, you're home on your break. And she just stared at me like, I will kill you, you know? <laughs> and, and I realized I, I, I can't handle video games, so I, I don't play them. Um, any of you guys that play video games, have you ever sat down at your TV and turned on your TV and then turned on your Xbox or your PlayStation and, and gotten your, your wireless controllers that are doing Bluetooth and... and and, and, and sat down and started playing with your friends over the internet. Uh, did any of you sit down and say, man, I wonder how many billions of years it took for all of these things to come together? No, no, you sit down and you think, man, I'm glad that somebody had the foresight and the thought to say, man, I'm really bored, and so I'm going to create all of these things. And, and they're very specific, and, and you look at them, and you have to realize and understand that like there is specificity. Is that a word? Like there was, it was designed, it's intentional. Guys, when we come and we look at the book of Genesis, we read that this is not just a big accident. That's not a big accident. My kids, they're not an accident. You are not an accident. You were created with a purpose. Genesis lays the foundation, okay? It lays the foundation. We see God creating something in Adam, all right? He took the dust of the ground. He formed him, all right? So he's in existence. He's not alive yet. And then we, we read that he, he breathed the breath of life into Adam, and he came alive. And that was the, that's the biblical account of the first human being. Now, listen to what God had pre prepared for Adam, uh, you go to chapter two. I know we're covering a lot of stuff. Um, I have a countdown timer up here, and that's like the enemy of a pastor. So if I go in the red, they're going to dock my pay. So I've got I've to just whip through this, okay? 
Go to chapter two. So we see Adam coming into creation. God breathes his very spirit into Adam, okay? And then it says in verse eight of chapter two, the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God creates this perfect environment for Adam to live in. All the things that you can think of, all of the weird fruits that you see at the grocery store, and you look at it and you're like, that looks like it could come alive and attack me. Um, all of these things in the garden, things we can't even, we can't even fathom. He, 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 he creates this and he puts Adam there and he gives him dominion over it. He goes on and he, he sees Adam in the garden. He said, ah, you know, this, this isn't good. And then he creates a helpmate for Adam, Eve, a mate for him. So God creates man. He breathes a, 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 his spirit into that man. He creates this amazing environment for man to call home. And then he creates a mate. It was perfect. It was intentional. He was specific. I love what... Um, Tim Trinkle said, and you guys are like, I don't know who Tim Trinkle is. Let me make a shameless plug for the RVR Life After Camp podcast, all right? When you guys go home, all of our messages from the weekend are going to get posted there. All of the messages from all the weekends of Winter Meltdown are going to be posted there. Man, you guys want to further explore the things that we're going? Go and listen to these other speakers, and they have the same theme they're going to present it a little differently and give you perspectives that I'm not going to give you. But Tim Trinkle was the week three speaker, and um, he, he spent a lot of time on that, uh, that word formed in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. You know, it says there that the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground. And then again in chapter 2, verse 8, he placed the man whom he had formed in the garden. And you guys might not think much of that. That might just, you know, just be a random word to you. But it serves as a reminder that God created man in a hands-on way. You know, it wasn't like this mass factory-produced thing where it's like, okay, well, here was a torso, and there's some arms, and we're going to give them skinny arms, and we're going to give them big arms, you know? And, and No, no, God is, you can think of it like a potter in his clay, and he's, he's forming, and he's doing all of these things with his hands. If any of you are, work in a retail market, you know you put hand something in front of your product, and you can charge three times as much for it. Your hand formed, hand spun, like milkshakes. This milkshake. Are we going to have those in the? Okay. Uh, forget the milkshakes. <laughs> no, I'll say it anyway. Hand spun milkshakes. Like oh, you're going to put it in the cup and spin it on the thing, and now you're going to charge me more than Burger King because it's hand spun. We've got a place in my town, pizzeria. It's one of like three places to eat in the whole town. And, and they have handcrafted burgers. Now, I'm not saying this. I'm saying that sometimes people take this and, and they turn it into an absurdity. But they, they have handcrafted burgers. And they want to charge me $4 more than Burger King for that burger. You took a piece, uh, a, a ball of ground beef, and you put it on your grill and you squished it. And now you're going to charge me $4 more than Burger King. No. No. Sometimes we take these concepts and we, we turn them into absurdities. When you look at it here in the book of Genesis and you read that God formed 
Adam out of the dust of the ground. Y'all, it was intentional. It was with purpose. And then he breathed into him the breath of life. He, he imparted spirit into him. He made Adam and Eve in his own image. Y'all, we don't even have time to talk about like what that means for us, but just understand that it's, it's good. It's good. Now, if we stopped right there, then we would have no problem, right? We, w- we wouldn't even need to be here this weekend because Adam was alive and, and we would be alive, right? But as you guys look around you, as you guys look around in your schools, as you guys look around in your families, as you guys look around and just in the world in general that you're living in, is everything good? No. When you watch the news, is everything good? When you think about your own life and you think about your emotions and you think about the struggles that you go through on a daily basis, is everything good? It causes us to ask this question. We have this picture in the Genesis account, which is foundational to all the rest of Scripture, that says God did this and this and this and, and then this, and it was, it was perfect. It was with purpose. And then we look around us, and we look at our own lives, and, and we just we know how we feel. And, and we have to understand that something changed. Something went terribly wrong between then and between now. If you guys ever have isolated that idea and you understand, and you Sunday school graduates, you Sunday school scholars, you already know what I'm talking about, okay? You can help some of your fellow friends here this weekend talk through these things. But I can, I can tell you exactly why we went from that to this, and why when God created everything to be so good and so perfect, we we feel anything but that. The problem is we're all dead. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking about like that movie where that little kid sees dead people. Have you guys seen that movie? It's super creepy. Don't watch it. I don't even, what it's, The Sixth Sense. No, don't watch that. That's a creepy movie. But that kid sees dead people. That's not what I'm talking about here. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. This is, um, this is something that's going to show up in your, your discussion time for you guys to talk through with your leaders. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says there to the church in Ephesus. And he's speaking in, in past tense. So he's addressing them after they've come alive, but he's speaking about their previous condition. Listen to what he says. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them too, we all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So the apostle, uh, the, again, the apostle Paul there is speaking about our condition or, or, you know, the condition of the Ephesian church before coming alive. 
And that verse explains a lot concerning our condition. And, and here's, I just want to make three observations for you, okay? A, that verse lets us know that we're dead, okay? What's that noise? Is that me? Okay. So if you're taking notes, you can jot these things down. A, and they're all, I've pulled these from those, those verses. A, it lets us know that we're dead. Spiritual, spiritually speaking, we're all obviously physically here existing, right? But we're talking about the difference between existing and, and truly living, okay? Spiritually, we're dead. That's A. Two, everybody has the same condition, although it's going to present itself differently. You know, Paul's not making a differentiation there. He's talking to the whole group of people. We all, by our very nature, like dead is our default setting, okay? So A, it lets everybody know that we're dead. Two, it lets us know that everybody has the same condition, even though it's going to present itself differently. And D, it reveals to us that there's a force behind the scenes that it's actively... Wor- what? No, I, I don't, you guys will throw off my train of thought and I only have a minute and 13 seconds left. Um, it reveals to us that there's a force behind the scenes that's actively working to keep us dead. Does that freak you out a little bit? It's something I want you to be mindful of this weekend. There is a movie, it's old by your standards. It is one of my favorite movies ever. Can we put that picture up? The Three Ninjas. Have any of you seen this movie? This is the greatest movie of all time. If you have not seen it, you have to see it. There is a scene in this. This came out in the early 90s, like in between the the Ninja Turtles, the live action Ninja Turtles and Home Alone. And so it's like those two movies combined. And some of the, the main bad guys in this movie are three just complete imbeciles who are charged with kidnapping these, these, these three ninja brothers, okay? And you can imagine, like, that doesn't go well for them. You know, it's like the robbers in Home Alone. They, they're always going to get destroyed by the kids. This is not the movie reference, by the way. I'm not going to make it that easy. The movie reference has already happened. Did you catch it? Okay, okay, no, no, no. Oh, my one minute, or my one second. I'm in the negative. Okay. Um, there's a scene in this movie. The robbers are in the house of these kids, <laughs> And uh, they're walking around. They can't find them. And they're like, little dudes, little dudes, we don't want to hurt you. And one of the other guys is like, we just want to kidnap you. And so we walk around my house and, and my kids, I'll be looking for them and I'll be like, little dudes, little dudes, you know. And they can't, they can't help it because they know what comes next. They start giggling, you know. And, uh, and then I find them where they've been hiding because they've done something offensive to me. Um, we have this picture, and I'm, I have a point in this. It, it's on part D there. This, we have an enemy actively working to keep us dead. That's why I'm sharing this. We have this idea in our minds that this enemy is, is walking around like a blundering imbecile, that, and he doesn't, he doesn't want to... This thing, I'm sweating, and it's sliding around. Um, we have this idea that the, the, our enemy is this blundering imbecile who's just walking around like, little dude, little dude. Or it's, or it's like the next picture. It's like this little guy that just sits on our shoulder. This is also not the movie reference, by the way. I can't, I can't give it away. Um, 
But for some of you, when I say that you have an enemy who's actively working against you, like that's what comes to your mind. You know that there's times during the day and temptation comes your way and, you know, the devil's just going to come sit on your shoulder and be like, do the wrong thing. Friends, you know how the apostle Peter describes our enemy? He describes him like he's a roaring lion. Have any of you ever encountered a full-grown lion? Like without a barrier between you. I went to the zoo and a silverback gorilla hit the glass in front of me and y'all, I will never be the same. All right. (laughs) We have an enemy. And so when you think about the disconnect between what God created in the garden and what you guys see day in and day out and what you experience in your own life, understand that something happened, that things became broken And that you have an enemy. We all have an enemy in this world that is actively seeking to keep us broken. He's not a, a, a blundering imbecile saying, little dude, little dude, little dude. He does want to hurt you. He does want to bring confusion and chaos into your life. He does want to destroy you. We need to understand and we need to be mindful of this. But I don't want to leave you on a bad, sad note this evening, okay? Um, We'll talk more about this as the weekend goes. We'll talk tomorrow morning about what happened that took us from here to here. But just know that as the Apostle Paul is speaking here in Ephesians 2, he's basically saying our default setting is dead. We exist, yes, but in the terms of our condition before our Creator, we're dead. Spiritually, we're dead. Some of you already know that we're go, where we're going with this. Some of you are like, I'm so confused right now. I have no idea. Guys, I want you to lean on your counselors this weekend, your leaders. There's discussion times that are built into our time where you all can explore these things more. But to fully comprehend what all of these things mean, again, we, we're just laying a foundation this evening. We're discussing the ins and the outs. If you guys will stick with me, For this weekend, I'll walk you guys through what it looks like to move from this place of existing but not having life to being fully alive, all right? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, Lord, I thank you for each and every individual in this room that you have safely delivered here this evening, Lord, and uh, we trust that you have brought them all here for a purpose, Lord, every time we look at your word, we need to remember that you are the one who reveals yourself to us. Uh, I can stand here and I can share scripture and I can share clever anecdotes, but Lord, you have to open the eyes of our understanding. And so I pray that you would do that tonight. I pray that you would do that as we go through this weekend, Lord, and you would truly help us to uh, realize and to understand what it means to come alive. And um, that you would do that in the hearts of these students this weekend. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for loving us. And we want to say this evening that we love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.